Thank you all for joining us for the latest of Innovation Forum's webinar. Today, as you'll have seen from the title and everything, we'll be looking at climate risk and adaptation and how we can prepare farmers for the effects of climate change. I'm Tanya Richard, I'm Head of Research and Stakeholder Engagement at Innovation Forum, and I have the pleasure of moderating the session today. First and foremost, I want to thank Cotton Connect for partnering with us on this webinar and, and making this discussion possible. We're, we're joined with Hardeep from, from Cotton Connect, which who I'll introduce in just a moment. But over the past few years, we've been hosting very similar conversations and actually held a very similar conversation at our recent Sustainable Landscapes and Commodities Forum, where we've been able to talk with a lot of interesting speakers at our Future of Climate, Future of Food series on a lot of the similar topics that we'll be talking about today. But it's fun to be able to do it and nice to be able to do it in sort of a, a bigger setting and a virtual setting from time to time. So that's what we were just talking about right before. Yeah, so for the next 45 minutes, we'll be looking at various different topics. It's likely not news to anyone on this call that farmers remain to be one of the most vulnerable to the increasing environmental hazards that are brought on by climate change. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how um, Hardeep and John and their organizations and then everyone in the room, perhaps in, in the Q&A, can share how you've been working in how to bring farmers to the table and, and really try to prepare them for the years to come. For the next yeah, 45 or so minutes, we'll be looking at areas such as how to work better with farmers on preparing them for the effects of climate change, uh, what are the leading tools, strategies, technologies um, to help them transition to that climate smart agriculture? And then, of course, what's the role of regenerative agriculture in helping um, farmers in all of these areas? So it is my pleasure to be joined by two great speakers who are working on these types of strategies um, directly. So we have John Steele, CEO at Cafe Direct, and Hardeep Desai, head of farm operations at Cotton Connect South Asia. Um, and yes, so for we will have a great discussion for 45 minutes, but the idea of the sort of this live conversation is for everyone to get to contribute to it. So I'm sure Zoom is not new to anyone in this room, but just a reminder um, that you can use a Q&A function uh, on your window to ask your questions. Um, best to not leave it till the end. You have a better chance of getting it asked if you ask it um, as soon as possible. And also if you're able to direct it to either Hardeep or John, um, makes my life much easier. And also make sure that you get the right answer that, that you do want. Um, and there's also like an upvoting function and everything on Zoom. So if there's good questions, instead of asking it again, you know, just upvote the ones that you see maybe um, are quite similar. So I think we've had most people join by now, um, but maybe if I just turn to you first, Hardeep, to just to start things off, um, tell us a bit more about Cotton Connect, what you do, um, what commodities you work in. We have, we have at least two great commodities here. So what commodities do you work, um, work in and where? And a little bit sort of paint us a picture of what capacity you work in with farmers. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, myself, Ardeep Desai, and I work with Cotton Connect as head of farm operations. Uh, Cotton Connect is an innovative social enterprise, uh, and we work with all the stakeholders of cotton supply chain. We, we work through a network of uh, local partners. And... Uh, we uh, we focus on farmers capacity building program take them uh, to journey of sustainability and then connect them with the supply chain so we work in multiple countries uh, and uh, we, we we work with mostly smallholder cotton farmers and uh, uh, we also focus on the inclusive approach so we work with uh, women farmers and uh, uh, also the other disadvantaged people uh, in the village 
so uh, we have multi country approach and we we are presence in multi countries and uh, like uh, uh, india china pakistan bangladesh and uh, other countries uh, across the globe and uh, uh, we have the grassroots level team through which uh, we deliver the training and capacity building program for the farmers and also deliver our uh, you know supply chain related services uh, for the customers Thank you very much, Hardeep. Already a lot of the things that we want to cover, but I wonder if, you know, most of the people on the call will have a bit, a bit of an idea of what the effects are on farm, but since you work directly with farmers, um, could you give us a little bit more um, or paint us a bit of a picture of what the main effects that you've seen um, of climate change on, on those farms? So uh, climate change related interventions are uh, an integral, integral part of our, all the interventions at the grassroots level. we we inculcate the vision among the farmers about uh, you know what are the challenges related to climate change and then 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 build their capacity create understanding and then uh, support them so that they can take small small steps to address the issues related to climate change the there are the issues related to climate change will uh, you know again farmers will face uh, nowadays they are facing in day to day life and also during their agriculture practices so uh, we focus on better crop planning how best they can uh, grow their crop along along with the you know the monsoon arrival of monsoon or the monsoon pattern and uh, also take small small steps on their farms uh, related to soil and moisture conservation then also biodiversity agroforestry intercropping so make them uh, more sustainable make them self dependent uh, gradually they can uh, you know in a, in a better position to address the issues related to climate change great thank you hardeep um over to you john similar question you know what what do you do at cafe direct what commodities are you primarily working in if it's different to ca- coffee um please let, please let the audience know what geographical um areas as well and maybe paint us a bit of a picture of of what that looks like in in your area of work great no thank you tanya um i mean i let's yeah if people don't know cafe director and we were we're 31 years young and we were set up by smallholder farmers and um institutions in the uk coming together to try and change the lives of smallholder farmers and it, and you know improve their livelihoods and the landscapes in which they operate um we work primarily in coffee we we've done some work in in cocoa and tea but we're primarily in coffee and that is geographically um central america uh, latin america and east africa the the three areas and the the way we work we we yeah, we've always bought on 100% fair trade terms since the fair trade movement started in 94 and we buy um coffee on organic terms as well and so we try to pay the right price and pay prices in a way that creates impact and change um i think the other thing we do is we set up a a farmer led charity called producers direct in 2009 and that's very much about farmers leading uh the, the cause so rather than uh you know developed country ngos determining what's right ensuring that farmers are empowered and own the change they're making and through producers direct our work uh, to mitigate climate changes across those those different um, geographies and it's it's based very much on a kind of peer to peer learning process so very much about 
exemplary farms showing other farmers how to diversify their income how to engage women in leadership um, how to use technology to not only mitigate climate change but also to engage younger people so that you don't end up with you know, in coffee farming and particularly you've got the average age is 65 and so you really need to engage the next generation in terms of having vibrant entrepreneurial family farms rather than leaving to go to the city um and also you know one of the key aspects we we, we build on is the financing of, of this kind of work but also the uh diversification of income so i think um you know uh, monocropping over the years is a very uh can be a very dependent situation and uh, with climate change it's a very uh, volatile uh, situation as well so certainly i'm sure you'll come on to this but diversifying income and so you're creating a a vibrant farm with other sources of income whether that's fish farming or vegetable farming or and, and so on and so forth i think is another key key component that we encourage um and to to your point i think about you know how does climate change manifest itself i mean i from a small example i can remember um about seven years ago you know a tea farmer having frost on his tea bushes in kenya for the for the first time it's the first time he'd seen this kind of thing on his on his tea leaves and he didn't really know what it was and so you know there's a whole kind of quite um significant change in in terms of just the, the climate but also at the other end of the spectrum you know in in peru at altitude you're getting phenomenal soil erosions from um the rainfall that's occurring and the it, the inconsistent uh, uh kind of seasonal changes are really impacting you know not only your ability to get the right kind of crop throughout the season to your harvest but also to physically move it around and physically deal with the conditions so it, it's quite dramatic in many cases thank you john i wanted to maybe step back a little bit and i, and I definitely want to touch more on income diversification in just a moment but you mentioned the peer peer-to-peer -peer learning and sort of exemplary farms so maybe just on that um how maybe just give us a bit more detail on how that's worked um what do you see as working well in engagement with farmers how do you bring them correctly in the correct way to the table um in a, in a correct training way and um yeah how do we best engage them in the conversation um at, at a macro level we we have uh you know we we um we run the company with farmers on the board so at a, at a macro level decision making is is um involving and having leadership from the farming communities that we serve and then that translates down through the supply chain at a at a practical level on farm i mean i i went to an exemplar farm about a diversification last year um i actually maybe even longer than that with the pandemic losing track of time and um it was quite an amazing experience because you know if you if you go to a coffee farm you're you're at altitude and you know historically you would just see you know coffee coffee being grown and with you know not much else going on and this farm in peru i think the first thing that struck you is that the husband and wife shared the farm with you and very proudly showed you them showed you their business and it was very much the um the wife who was in charge the wife who explained to you the journey they'd been on and this particular farm they showed you that they had two effectively quite large fish ponds where they were they were you know 
growing fish, if that's the right word, and probably isn't. Um, and, you know, they created the second source of protein for them that they could then sell in the local market. And they could also have, you know, for, for their own use. And they had an amazing vegetable garden, something that, um, you know, was also very, very um, changing the landscape remarkably, but changing their income. And uh, they had lots of um, methods of managing the core crop as well. But I think the other thing that struck us was, you know, in Peru, um, yeah, gu guinea pig is is um, part of the diet there. And they had this incredible guinea pig farm. And uh, this lady talked about how they'd initially, you know, put the guinea pigs on the floor, but then kind of local vermin would come and, and, and take them away. And then they put them on, on posts and how they then had worked out that they could also... Um, you uh, use, use uh, the guinea pig's feces as organic manure for the coffee and everything. So there's a really, really a kind of rich um, experience. And, you know, it, it's it's changing people's lives R rather than feeling like you're trapped in a commodity and you're, you know, you're working the land 18 hours a day just to try to get your commodity to a, a huge market from which you're quite removed. You're You're further engaged and you're also building a livelihood that has much more meaning as well, I think. So, I mean, that's just a small example of, of how it's felt to me. No, that paints it quite well. Thank you, John. I wonder, Hardeep, if you wanted to add anything here. I mean, you're working really directly with those people that are growing the crops. Um, how have your conversations been with farmers? How do you engage them properly? So, uh, thanks, Sanya. Uh, thanks, John. So, uh, as, as far as farmers are concerned, we, we focus on, uh, you know, their uh, capacity building uh, so that they can address the issues related to climate change. So uh, the very uh, basic principle we have adopted is the inclusion. So how best way we can have an, a participatory approach in which we can uh, sit with the farmers, discuss with them, discuss their challenges, and then uh, try to get more, uh, try to get more information, know their challenges, and then uh, develop a plan of action so that uh, we can deliver our best as per their need. So, so that in participatory approach we have, we do uh, par participatory the rural appraisal exercise. So at the PR exercise at the grassroots level, and then uh, have their information and suggestions in the plan. So that is one thing. The other thing is uh, the piece of land would remain same for, you know, for the years. So how best farmers can uh, take optimum results out of that piece of land of their farms without compromising the nature. So uh, we, we focus on small, small steps which are easy to, uh, to be taken on their farms, like you know, optimization of plant, plant population. So if they increase the number of plants per acre or per, per piece of their farms, then uh, it would definitely give them good results. Then considering the monsoon pattern, uh, the, we, also, we also guide them and motivate them to go for short duration varieties. So that they can uh, get the crops in in minimum or short cycle or short duration, and the same uh, you know benefits they can uh, take. The other thing is uh, how best we can increase their uh, you know livelihood or or support their their livelihoods. So as part of that intervention, we focus on multi cropping and intercropping. So through intercropping, they can also earn uh, good money like. You know, if they go for green gram, then uh, roughly they can earn seven to eight thousand rupees per acre before selling their cotton. So, so that's an added advantage. And intercrops also helps us help the farmers to uh, bring biodiversity on farm and also help in pest control measures. So it's a win-win situation. 
so so that type of intervention we do uh, we we support them in uh, you know in also do convergence with the existing schemes of governments at the at the village level so so that uh, our farmers can get optimum benefits of our intervention so so that uh, holistic approach we have in which we build the capacity of the farmers we train them we support them uh, we also conduct lots of field demonstrations so field demonstration uh, the farmers can take on their farms they can see the actual benefit of those sustainable practices and then take those practices on on scale so and other farmers can also see and interact with the farmers demo farmers so so that's how we we work and uh, then we we link them with the supply chain so that uh, they can you know get the overall optimum benefits of their farming practices yeah Great, thank you, Hardeep. And maybe just bringing in a question at this point from from the audience. There was a question on improving crop yield, and that was sort of guide throughout the whole conversation is how to improve crop yield. But did you want to add anything at this point on what sort of methods you've seen to, to that improve crop yield, Hardeep? So uh, crop yield, uh, crop yield is, uh, is we cannot uh, you know assign the matter of crop yield to one particular practices and uh, there is no book cut solution for that so we'll have to have region specific adopt considering the soil and climatic conditions of that particular area uh, also the 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 facility related to irrigation water the the practices farmers have adopted uh, throughout the season matters a lot so so we'll have to also consider the soil health uh, how best is the organic carbon in the soil matter and then Uh, there uh, the the need of soil in terms of uh, nutrient management so that also we'll have to see so lots of depends on the soil water conditions uh, you know climatic conditions and also the seeds so the which variety of seeds they are using uh, so it's a cumulative process but yes if they uh, go for you know certain practices like you know uh, starting from selection of speed uh, seeds to optimization of uh, seed spacing then also intercropping and uh, also using the bioresonal pesticides like concoction of 10 leaves or maybe the nimark or other bioresonal pesticides and also the compost vermicompost then uh, chances are high that the yield will uh, increase over the years so but that they will have to continue that practices and also go for soil testing so they will come to know about uh, the exact nutrient requirement of their soil Great, thank you, Hardeep. John, did you want to add anything at this point? It seemed like you might have had um, something. Yeah, I, th- I think in, on on technology uh, specifically, which I think was, was where you were starting off with. Um, I, we we've developed and tested quite a few technologies um, in terms of in terms of crop yields. Um, you know, there are lots of practical things to do, but we the um, our charity producers direct has developed a piece of technology called Croppy with. Um, the international center center of tropical agriculture and uh, an ngo called ido um and copy very much uses a mobile phone and artificial intelligence to take a photograph of your coffee bush and then from that you can you know the ai creates a yield prediction and then looks at the the, the climatic factors that are going to go on in the season and enables the farmer to make better decisions about how to invest and where to invest during the season and how to to manage um the yields from the coffee bush i think that there's some very very practical um uh, things that are, are done but there's also increasingly the use of tech which just can make the uh, interventions more precise i guess so that's mm-hmm. just a small example so. 
Yeah, I mean, let, let's stay on that for a bit. There are a lot of questions in the audience that are related um, to technology. And, and one of them was maybe the use of, I mean, maybe, you know, give a, the audience a little bit of information on the technology that you use on farm. But then specifically, there were questions on satellite based monitoring um, as well. So if there was something that you, you work with in, in that space, um, please add that to your yeah. notes as well. Um, I mean, certainly, in addition to crappie, you know, we, there's a lot of the work of, on weather stations and and other ways of uh, un understanding how climate is is affecting on farm. I think the other thing that we've been very passionate about as a as a community over time is sharing information because you know I'm sure all of the listeners will you know know that you know a lot of these smallholder farms are quite isolated and um, you know there's plenty to learn and share across different continents and. Uh, countries and so I think we, uh, there was the establishment of, of we farm which is very much a data peer-to-peer -peer data sharing um, platform and then the, we now have a thing called farm direct that allows the sharing of data so that you can see specifically I think with diversification you can see how those diversifications are working and then work out which ones are going to provide you with the greatest income change um, so it you know tracks the kind of the health of your um, not non-core developments, whether that's I don't know avocados or guinea pigs or whatever that was mentioned, and then help you to develop a more profitable business from that to support your main crop. Um, so I think uh, I think ultimately we'd, we'd see that also as kind of creating even a, a a route to market through the digital kind of marketplace that it can create. So now the team at Producers Direct are very data driven and very much having wanting data to be in the hands of the farmer and um, therefore be, I suppose, owned and used most. Um, I didn't, I when I saw the question pop up on um, satellite, I didn't really feel like I could, I got an example to bring to life there. So. No, that's right. Thank you, John. Hardeep, maybe yeah, from, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I can add. So uh, uh, we love to uh, bring in technology interventions uh, while we working with the with the farmers and uh, for the benefits of the farmers. So, uh, especially in terms of uh, soil and, uh, you know, constructing the soil and uh, water conservation structures, we take help of uh, mobile-based applications. So, we have tied up with uh, an organization which is known as FES in India. So, so with the help of that organization, what we do that uh, we use mobile technology to identify the the appropriate structures uh, to create the water and uh, water conservation structures like farm ponds, check dams. And uh, there are also certain mobile uh, applications available with this organization on which, with, uh, which help. We also get uh, ready-made design and estimates. So what we have done uh, that the entire applications uh, work through the GIS based solutions and uh, we have prepared uh, the estimates, budget and estimates, along with the proper location of, uh, you know, the structures uh, where we can construct that structures. And we have approached the local district authority uh, and also the local village level uh, panchayat in the village. So they have approved the construction of those structures to different, different schemes. So we are getting good results of that. So that is the use of uh, technology, I can say that uh, for, you know, constructing uh, soil and water or water conservation structures, I think uh, we can also use uh, technology uh, in a better way. Yeah. And then specifically on the relation to farmers that John's touched on, how do you bring that data or 
uh, communicate that data to farmers in a way that they can use in a way that's fair as well, Hardeep? So uh, there are two, three examples. Uh, in addition to this uh, check dams and other related data, we interact with mm -hmm. the farmers community in the, in the village. Uh, there is an exercise which is which is known as water budgeting exercise. So that also uh, in that also there is an application uh, which give you the you know idea about availability of the water in the village and then uh, also the you know uh, this overall scenario in the village the consumption of water. In addition to that, we also well we also use well monitoring application. So uh, we record the under the the water water level of uh, wells uh, twice in a year uh, pre monsoon and post monsoon and then compare the situation uh, how how was the scenario uh, at a, each and every well we have taken into the study and then we present analysis uh, in front of community that uh, look this is the results of you know water tables in in your wells so now you will have to consider and think about uh, the status of water in in your village whether you would like mm -hmm. to go for water recharging using rainwater harvesting structures, or maybe you can take an appropriate decision that you will not go for water intensive crop in the coming season, and you will plan better crop you know cycles in your village, uh, adopt better crop uh, you know growing in your village, which consumes less water. So, uh, but equally you can get the good profit from those crops. So. So mm -hmm. that type of exercise also we conduct. So it's a it's a data sharing with community and then uh, take the take informed decisions by the community. So that exercise exercise is entirely participatory. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you, Hardeep. I can already see a ton of questions coming through and we've already tried to weave them into the conversation as smoothly as possible. But yeah, just a reminder for anyone else if you have any questions, just to pop them into the Q and A. Um, there are a lot of questions, other questions on on technology, and I'm trying to bring them back back into this. But um, maybe over to you, John. There was a question from Rachel on um, what kind of technologies are being used to inspire and engage younger generations. And you mentioned your work in um, bringing, you know, sort of the farmers of the future into uh, into your work. So, did you have anything to add on that point? Yeah, I mean, I think I think technology per se is very appealing to. Um, people much younger than me who understand what to do with it and 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 feel it you know unleashes some independence and so on. I think um, we we um, one one of the points I saw in, in the Q and A was I think if you just throw technology at people you're not going to get it, it adopted in any way and um, you know some of the farming communities are not even collecting data and then they're collecting data in a very rudimentary way. So even just providing a structured, um, uh, almost quite basic method of collecting data in the first instance is a, is a first step to then moving that data into some kind of phone-based or you know, um, technological application that then gets you to start to analyze that data. So I think it's, to one of the points, I think it's it's not... Yeah, you, I think you could fail very badly on technology if you don't recognize where you're starting from, um, which, which sometimes is without even any any data, let alone any insight or application. And um, certainly we found in Africa in particular, you know, a mobile phone that isn't a smartphone is a better way of of, of working to begin with because you've got much more acceptance of that rather than the smartphone although you know over time everyone's catching up as it were 
Um, the other thing is, I think the, the technology that helps um, add value in market is quite is quite appealing to people. So, you know, you've got some cases where diversified income. You know, you've got I don't know people reselling fruit by the the side of the road or something in a quite low value, um, very um, uh, hugely competitive and very value destructive way. And so, finding ways to add value to those um um secondary crops and then to um enable a marketplace to work through technology is very appealing to younger people because they can see the monetary value that's been added and it's very much about kind of entrepreneurship and trading so i think it, it feels to me like it works quite well where it's it's creating a market for you or creating value for you rather than just monitoring necessarily the crops but you know, it's very, very much a personal comment at the moment, I think it would be interesting to maybe move to a bit more, and we've touched on this already, but sort of the diversification, um, crop diversification, income diversification angle. Um, moving to you, Hardeep, what do you see as the role of income diversification in all of this and in providing farmers with that um, that uh, ability to adapt and transition and create resilience? So, uh, in terms of uh, creating uh, climate resilient farming communities, uh, we focus on uh, you know uh, uh, income generation through various activities and uh, try so that the farmers can get uh, multiple incomes and reduce their dependency on monocropping patterns. So, if uh, they they grow only one crop and if something you know uh, goes wrong about their about uh, with their monsoon and availability of irrigation, then they will definitely feel crisis. So if we uh, ask and motivate them to grow for uh, multi-cropping, intercropping, then they can definitely get uh, income from an additional income from those uh, interventions. The other thing is we also focus on, uh, you know, uh, motivating the farmers so that they can start uh, the production of uh, natural inputs at the grassroots level. So uh, the the farmers can uh, come together. They can uh, start interventions uh, for you know producing the uh, vermicompost or the the natural inputs like you know concoction of ten leaves uh, and other bioresal pesticides uh, in the village itself. So uh, there is a win-win situation for farmers. Uh, they can utilize the natural inputs for their farms as well as they can sell the surplus quantity to other farmers. So they, uh, they can also get an additional livelihood in that uh, aspect. So, uh, and the other other benefit of that activity is the uh, we can reduce the toxicity load on the earth. So, if we increase the usage of uh, you know bioresal pesticides and we we, uh, we we motivate the farmers to use that, then definitely you know we will get good result uh, in in related to you know uh, environment and environmental aspects and also the livelihood so uh, basically it's uh, there are small small steps related to their crop cycles they related to intercrops related to other uh, you know production of input natural inputs uh, in the village itself and also linking them with the additional uh, you know livelihood opportunity so uh, so that that also we do through conversion so bringing the you know uh, developing their skills in uh, vocational training so like you know uh, tailoring or other local you know skills so 
so the and then link them with the government scheme so so they can get uh, an additional income also uh, you know supporting them in terms of uh, goatry or other animal husbandry schemes so uh, it's a it's a holistic approach we we help farmers uh, in different different ways and increase their income so there is no uh, you know uh, only one source of income but they get uh, other incomes also and that minimizes the uh, shocks related to climate change so that's how uh, we build we try to build the climate resilient farming community Thank you. Maybe John, what do, in your work, you've already touched a little bit on that sort of crop diversification, but is there anything more that you wanted to add on that and maybe touching on the role, like how do you provide and how do you support those farmers in developing that market access and that um, mm -hmm. presence in other markets as well? Yeah, I, 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 I'll probably repeat myself, but um, I think the, the guinea pig example works very well because, um, you know, it's uh, something that culturally works in Peru. Um, and that um, not only provides the income from um, you know, the guinea pigs themselves, but also the side effect of creating organic manure effectively. So it works not only in terms of income diversification, but also uh, changing the way your cost inputs are into your main crops. So I think that that does work really neatly in a number of ways. I think um, the other example um, in Kenya is, um, you know, uh, bees and honey which um yeah you know, in the first instance you've got um yeah getting the income from the honey and then uh, we've been testing in in Kenya then trying to add value to the honey so actually then doing some basic processing and jarring it and labeling it and trying to sell it further up the the the, the, the value um of, of supply chain rather than just selling um the material and i think that's that's fascinating because it, it really um, needs a lot of support in terms of understanding how you then actually sell, sell a finished good into a market, even if it's just a local uh, grocery store compared to um, just selling it by the roadside. But certainly as a journey, it, it, it um, is much more challenging and rewarding, but it's much more in need of some help on the ground in terms of, you know, how do you price product how do you make sure that it functions in the competitive set and all these kind of things um so for for, for some for some farms they wouldn't you know you, you've you're, you're you're trying to go too far and you're going to end up with um distraction and value destruction so i think um being very close to the farmers which i think is, is coming through the conversation generally means that you are you know where you're starting from so that you're not um, being unrealistic whether it's technology or whether it's market access um, but I mean, to Hardeep's point, I think if you've got income that's away from your monocrop and that's also providing secondary benefits and giving you market access to different markets that are local and not just a you know a huge traded global commodity that is a lot of the aspects are outside of control. Um, it, it's it's got to give you a feeling of of empowerment much more and a feeling of you know, being in charge of your own destiny. So. Great, thank you. Um, there's been a few questions about sort of the regenerative agriculture angle. So maybe this is a good time to maybe move to that a little bit. Um, in your work, maybe if I just stay with you, John, for, for this question, what role have you seen um, or how how is that relationship or has anything changed in light of regenerative agriculture re really taking center stage? Um, and what do you feel is the, is the role of regen ag in helping farmers increase 
climate resilience. You've mentioned also the fair trade and organic terms. So I wonder if that converges here at all or, or how do those play together? Okay, we'll have a go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I think in particular organic, where we've really pushed organic in the last uh, six, seven years to quite high levels, it's it sort of, uh, it, it's a kind of proxy for for getting towards regenerative agriculture, but it's pretty, yeah, it's sort of, we, we viewed it as, as a thing to do now. I think then we're, we're looking more into kind of what we think regenerative agriculture should, should look like from our farmers' perspectives and from our perspectives. And so we are, you know, we haven't done it yet, but we are looking at what our our, our principles and practices are um, with a view to in the next uh, seven or eight years, you know, move, move away from short, sort, sort of shorthand use of organic and get into more, um, uh, more complete understanding of how to manage a diverse ecosystem and how to manage, um, you know, soil health for the different aspects of a, I suppose a non-monocrop farm in the end, really. Um, so I don't think we have all the answers. I think we, in the short term, we've been using certification, both fair trade and uh, organic, to provide regenerative agriculture um, and also, I guess, social and more environmental kind of um, initiatives. But really, I think we need to go much beyond that and um, you know, define how how you how you do create an environment that um, is com uh, creating the right environment that is enduring really so that you're you're managing soil, soil health proactively and consistently but for us it is quite early early stage to get into the science of it and uh, we've signed up to science-based targets and we're building our what we call our regenerative agricultural principles but i think in the short term we have you know used used certifications really to to give us a baseline Great. And, and Hardeep, we know that uh, I know Cotton Connect obviously have been working in the realm of regenerative agriculture for, for a little bit now. Um, but have your relationships with farmers changed in light of Regen Ag? And um, how are you supporting and how's Cotton Connect rather supporting um, farmers in, in the transition? Yeah, uh, we also focus on uh, regenerative agriculture in which we uh, support farmers to, uh, you know, adopt the regenerative practices. Uh, regenerative practices uh, practices help a lot uh, in, you know, addressing the, uh, you know, challenges related to uh, carbon emission and helps a lot in terms of uh, improving the soil health. So soil health management, then social uh, welfare and then uh, animal welfare. So. So these three aspects uh, we focus on in on in the regenerative program, and uh, one of the good component of uh, regenerative agriculture is the promotion of uh, agroforestry. So in that agroforestry, we we focus on uh, again the livelihood livelihood aspects and also the nutrition aspects. So like you know we 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 uh, we motivate the farmers to grow for a combination of uh, trees which can provide them fruit which can provide them nutrition and also the livelihood so mm -hmm. uh, so that type of uh, combination we you know suggest uh, so that the farmers can adopt uh, tree plantation uh, accordingly uh, like drumstick and uh, other other species are there so uh, multiple uh, types of you know uh, it's a combination of uh, 
uh, agroforestry so so that they can get benefit of that and the other aspects is uh, the uh, focusing on the uh, practices like minimum tillage or no tillage so that also uh, give mm-hmm. good benefit in terms of you know uh, carbon sequestration so uh the if the farmers they they are continuously doing the tillage then that that can also lead the carbon emission so how best we can uh, motivate them uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 uh, inculcate understanding about that link uh, between the tillage and uh, carbon emission so then the farmers will re- realize slowly that yes uh, we can do uh, you know better by adopting small small steps and also the again focus on multi cropping crop rotations uh, uh, intercropping that is also there so 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 that that gives them uh, an additional income as well as improve their soil fertility so uh, so that they can uh, grow multiple crops uh, you know on their farms uh, uh, in mm-hmm. a better way in a sustainable yeah. Yeah, yeah have you seen in your experience that there's any sort of um opportunity or or have you seen it already happen for a premium or markup of products made under these conditions so uh that link we haven't explored yet but yeah mm-hmm. ob- obviously if we uh, bring you know certain uh, elements related to certification and other uh, aspects related to uh, you know uh, the 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 social sustainability and uh, overall uh, you know Uh, improvement in the in the regenerative programs as per the the requirement then obviously we can uh, have that mechanism in place in which uh, the customer can definitely pay for the you know uh, regenerative yeah. mm-hmm. thank you um maybe john over to you slightly related but there's a question from mahaban in in the comments um about provi- about that uh issue of lack of finance um and if there's a way of engaging financial institutions and other organizations in this in these programs so i wonder if you had anything to to add to that i i know that over time we've worked with institutions such as um mastercard to try to provide technology and you know small amounts of microfinance um to an extent i, I don't I don't know how that ends in the end because I think often you've got to, you've got to engage enterprises that are looking at at, at at where they get to from a smallholder farmer's point of view so really you're you 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 need to have the same uh, end goal in mind and um so I think we we've engaged a number of different players over time over sort of 20 years I think um one of our main partners which was another question that was asked in the chat is you know we're a multi-stakeholder company owned by farmers and by individuals and also Oxfam who set us up but also one of our uh, main backers is a company called Oiko Credit mm-hmm. which is a global microfinance kind of business that works with lots of agricultural commodities across the whole planet and um we're more and more not only seeing them as an investor but seeing them as a a a partner to access um funding for different pieces of work uh, either at quite a low level quite a micro level or even at scale as we're doing in Peru at the moment and um you know the great thing about somebody like Oakcredit is they are you know they are funded and governed in a way that is genuinely trying to make a difference to agriculture rather than being a commercial organization so mm-hmm. 
Great. I'm just taking note of time. It's already 45. Uh, My goodness. Time has flown. So um, I just maybe just to end on something um, practical, um, in 20 seconds or less, if you could just each say something that you feel like the audience could just take away in terms of, you know, they, they sit back at their desk tomorrow, what is like the first thing or, or something in the short term that they could that they could focus on? Hardeep, over to you. Yeah, I think uh, the business can support these interventions in creating the you know cli the climate resilient farming communities at the grassroots level. So uh, uh, we can get support from business in terms of uh, doing uh, small small pilots pilots on you know technology agriculture technology then also related to the uh, the micro irrigation or uh, other areas of uh, intervention. So those pilots we can have those pilots and then we can take those interventions on scale so that is one thing uh, the 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 crux of the message would be you know the uh, most of the times farmers they are not aware of uh, the the jargon we can say uh, climate change or related to uh, climate change related intervention but we will have to uh, send a message in pieces so that uh, they can understand the the objective of those interventions easily so that step we will have to take, uh, understand their need, uh, region-specific approach. And uh, I think uh, as the climate change is a global phenomena, so we'll have to, uh, you know, dream big, uh, you know, we'll have to start small and act now. So that is the call of time, act now. So whatever we can do, we should try our best. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Hardeep. John? Well, I was, no, I, was, I was completely engrossed in listening to Hardeep. Um, <laughs> let me see if I can remember the question and provide an answer. Um, I mean, I think, uh, I think in the acting now, but I more and more feel like it's um, it needs to be a pre-collaborative, a pre-competitive collaborative, pre collaborative intervention across um, markets. I think we've got some great examples of, of organisations such as Cotton Connect that are doing brilliant work. But how do you change the whole system? And I think a number of the actors are, you know, uh, they are acting with probably the right intent, but within the wrong system so that ultimately the, the change that's been made is not significant enough to uh, change the livelihoods of smallholder farmers so that climate justice and social justice on farm occurs. Um, and I think... You know, we, we need to act now and act at a scale of intervention that changes the value chain, I suppose, is, is, is ultimately what it is. And, you know, if you were looking at starting with a blank piece of paper and creating a sustainable, enduring way to provide food for 8 billion people, you would not restrict the value and the capacity um, on farm as we have today. So I, I do think the need for businesses that are like-minded and 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 authentic such as cotton connect to engage with other organizations that need to change the, uh, the, the system they operate and to use other actors whether it's ngos or government to, to also change the playing field is is increasingly urgent and i i i love talking to businesses like ours and and Hadiths where we're, we're, we're doing a, a good job, but we have been diluted all the time. Mm. And as a farmer, you must be incredibly frustrated to have eight well-meaning businesses turning up with similar agenda points every other Thursday. Mm. God, you could do with a scalable intervention that helped you um, in, a, in a more enduring way. So that's my semi-rant. There mm -hmm. you go. 
I thought that was very much worth taking four more minutes of everyone's time. Um, Hardeep and John, really, really, really great. Um, yeah, I mean, exactly what you just said, John. I think let's encourage everyone to continue the conversation. There were really great questions coming from the audience. Get in touch with John, get in touch with Hardeep and Cotton Connect and Cafe Direct to see how maybe, you know, we can move this conversation further than just this webinar. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, John. Thank you very much, Hardeep and, and Cotton Connect again for, for making this webinar possible. Um, everyone, will, you'll, you'll receive the recording afterwards as well. So yes, thank you for all the great questions. And thank you for everyone for joining. Mm -hmm.